Hello and welcome to the stack. This week we will take you to Istanbul, Palm Beach and to London's Bayswater. A beautiful print publication made by a Turkish furniture and design studio, a new cafe that sells magazines and special editions of books, and finally, the creator of Class of Palm Beach, a great take on hyper-local fashion. Enjoy the show. From Midori House in London, this is The Stack, 30 minutes of print industry analysis, and I am Fernando Augusto Pacheco. We start the show in Istanbul to talk about the great Turkish design studio and furniture makers Sanayi 313. They also publish the beautiful Sanayi 313 paper magazine, with beautiful insights from the world of art, design, travel and architecture. I had the pleasure to speak with the magazine's editor-in-chief, Sidney Caraville, and the creative director, Anis Caraville. Sanai 313 is an Istanbul-based interdisciplinary practice company founded by my brother and myself in 2014. Sanai 313 brand functions as an umbrella for a diverse spread of creative businesses. As an example, a design studio operating, a canteen, a created store, and their magazine, our magazine, Sanayi 313 paper. All divisions interact to inspire and motivate each other under one single vision of Sanayi 313. We're working from a converted auto repair shop in the industrial district of Istanbul. And we are, we are like a multi-purpose design company. Well, that sounds fantastic. And, and Sydney, I know you're the editor-in-chief of basically Paper, which is a magazine made by the company. Tell us a bit more, why did you guys decide to launch a print title? Was this a good way for people to connect as well with the brand in a way? Yes. In the beginning, when Sanai 313 uh, opened its stores for the first time, Sanai313.com was a blog site written only by me, consisting of news inside Sanai 313. I made interviews with the founders of the brands that were sold in 313. I wrote about the upside down Christmas tree, for example, designed by Ennis. Wrote about uh, Sanai 313 kitchen news and many more news inside the store. As time went by, the contents were broadened and we, with uh, another freelance editor, began to create news outside of Sanai 313 as well. We made interviews with artists working in Sanayi area, wrote articles about pioneer architects, created contents about the vegetables, for example, that were used in Sanayi 313's kitchen, wrote about uh, Sanayi 313's interior uh, projects. And then uh, at some point we realized that we had a, a wide range of content and the idea of a print magazine came to our minds, which I think go very well with Sanayi 313's mindset. I remember Ennis telling me, uh, even if one day Sanai 313 won't exist, we will be holding Sanai 313 paper in our hands like a proof of all the things we have done. When we decided to create the print magazine, I came together with a friend of mine who is a very talented content creator, and we came up with subheadings like blackouts, love letters, finds, pioneers, interiors, and case series. These are the contents. Well, and there is great content. I love the design. I know you're part of the creative direction in it as well for the magazine. Tell us a bit more. Were you always passionate about magazines? Because one thing I can tell our listeners, it's definitely not like a 
just a catalog of everything you guys do at the company. It's lovely. It's a tutorial. There's some travel pages as well. So I wonder if you could tell us a bit more about that, Ines. So basically, we have different disciplines under this umbrella and we re we try to reach different crowds through these disciplines. For example, with our kitchen, we reached completely different crowd while with interior studio, we, we reached completely different crowd. And also with paper, we can go in so many different people's house and then they can collect us. They can keep us there forever. This was my childhood obsession, let's say, because my mom used to buy interior design magazines and I used to collect them and I used to rip out the papers and like I used to kept what I liked from them and I have different like files from different years. So I believe in like collecting for me it's collecting is a passion. So with this magazine, I think we can create a little collectible items for our clients and visitors, let's say. It reflects the way we see our vision, our design vision. So we can put so many different ideas and visions together in the same magazine. So this excites me a lot. And Sydney, I can see, of course, you know, the magazine is, is in English. It feels to me that, of course, I'm sure, I'm sure people in Turkey would love it, but there is an international outlook there as well, right? We have an international clientele, actually. We wanted to, in the beginning, the idea was uh, finding the heroes of Istanbul and hidden places in Turkey uh, and try to make these people and places known to the international readers oh. of Sanayi Triwantri. You have kind of stockists uh, in cities perhaps like London and New York as well, right? We sell in London, New York, I think Amsterdam and a few different spaces. And the most exciting part was when I live in Notting Hill, when I'm in London. So I went to my favorite magazine store in Notting Hill next to Portobello Road. And I saw our magazine standing next to magazines that I liked from like long times. So it was very exciting for me to see our magazine on the shelves of my favorite newspaper shop. I think I know, I forgot the name, but I know which one you mean. It's a very good newsstand there. Very international as well. Like next to Saw House, very close to Saw House. Is it Rococo? Rococo. Rococo News. Yes, that's it. Yeah. A good recommendation for our listeners here as well. <laughs> Sydney, I don't know if that's your first kind of work with a print title, but I wonder, did you have experience perhaps with other magazines? And, and to follow up on that, I wonder if you could give us any insights about magazines in Turkey. Is, is it a big market? Do you think Turks love to read magazines about design as well? I'm very curious about that side of things as well. Start with paper is not dead. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Personally, I don't enjoy uh, reading digital magazines. So... Me neither. Yeah. Print is not dead. <laughs> You're talking on the right show for sure, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I went to New York to study fashion styling, but then I came back to Istanbul and my passion was always writing. Then I started to take creative writing lessons. Actually, I took a creative lesson from a very important writer who just passed away recently, unfortunately. Mario Levy is his name. And then I started to work in magazines, in Turkish magazines. And generally, I wrote about art. I interviewed artists. I did studio visits. I also worked with artists for the cover of the magazines. And uh, with Sanayi 313 paper, what I feel is everything I did with passion came together under one roof. So this is my passion. 
if we should talk about the publishing in Istanbul, Turkey, um, in the beginning of 2000s, the monthly magazines were very popular. But today, I think monthly magazines where the design and content uh, were not that big of a concern are going down. What people want to hold in their hands is quality content and good design. I think we started in a very good time, very right time. And now the magazine is flourishing where the design and content are powerful. Those magazines are, I think, more popular, let's say. What I see also from our magazine is like a curated magazine. Like we curate different disciplines like interior design, food, architecture. And we work on like we have a part called blackouts. And we reach totally different people all around the world. And we want them to show us what they see from their cameras and stuff. So I think we include so many people from different sides of the world, which makes it great and more interesting, I think. And I believe like we have a curated shop and we have a curated magazine. I think this is what people need at the moment. They don't like how they don't like the mass stores or like, you know, they prefer to go to curated store or like, because I think people start to give more importance to what they're spending and what they're eating and what they're getting. You know what I mean? So this is more important at the moment. And, and as I was going to ask you a question about the design, I know you do the creative direction. I love, you know, the contrast, because when you start reading the issues, at least the latest two issues, it's, it's all black and white. But then suddenly the color pops up. I like this decision. It's kind of a little surprise because it's lovely, the black and white. But then as you read the magazine, the color pops up. I, I don't know. I wonder if that's just a coincidence or that was kind of deliberate from your part. <laughs> I think contrast is a very important part of our design process. New and vintage, black and white, feminine and masculine. I think these contrast materials or ideas show each other more strong when they're on the same page. So yes, you understood it right. Uh, Good. <laughs> contrast is a very big, important, a very important part of our design vision, let's say. And Sydney, you are very busy as well now because I think you're you're making the, the upcoming issue, which is out in May, right? Right. I am pretty busy these days. <laughs> what, what can you tell us? I mean, maybe don't review everything. That's stressful, but... <laughs> let's say. <laughs> we work with uh, artists for the cover, cover of the magazines. And for the next issue, we're collaborating with the uh, 6th Mardin Biennial. Uh, maybe Ines would like to talk about the uh, Mardin Biennial because he went there before. It's so uh, amazing as far as I heard from uh, Ines. I think the background is very real and authentic. Uh, Mardin is a very old city of Turkey. So seeing like contemporary art and something controversial to their daily life, it's amazing. And it's make it, it makes it very like, let's say, like you see them everything. And then the background is very old and like made of stone. And you see a contemporary artwork in front of it, which is which makes it very strong and like exciting, let's say. People can buy the current issue as well on your website, right? Yes, they can. And we will be launching our new furniture collection in May in New York. So also it will be the launch of the, it, we will do it at the same time with the fifth edition of Paper. Thank you both, Sydney and Anis. For more information about Paper, go to sanai313.com. And now I head to Bayswater to visit Foreign Exchange. Inspired by mid-century Italian cafes, the place works as a mixture of a cafe, newsagent, grey pastries and yes, 
currency exchange. I've paid a visit to speak with Gabriel Chipperfield from Wendover Partners, responsible for the design, development and operations. It wasn't the original idea, but it came out of circumstance. It was a currency exchange shop and we needed to have a presence on this street, which we can talk about later, when the tenant of this of this particular space said, look, you know, we're happy to lease the space out, but we'd like to stay in some sort of small presence. Half of us said, well, that rules out this space. And, and the other half said, well, what if, we, what if we sort of play on the irony of it and incorporate it in some way, which most people love. And I think we're living quite harmoniously. It is quite entertaining to see people walk past and try and work out what is, um, whether it's a coffee shop or a money exchange. And, and to be honest, I don't know much much about money exchange, but I think as a backdrop, it works quite well and it's certainly a unique concept. And as I said, when you first came in, it's funny to see some people who just walk in and, and wonder whether the people behind the bulletproof glass are, are actors or it's some sort of performance art. But no, it's legitimate money exchange with very good rates, apparently. I'm glad you clarified that. <laughs> and let's talk about the area. You mentioned that there's a story here. We're here in the Bayswater region. Why is the, this region important to you? And, and I think there's some sort of a revamp in the area overall, right? Yeah, so I, I actually grew up down the road and then left and, and didn't come back for the best part of 20-odd years. And the development company that I, that I set up looked to invest in this area few years ago and we actually ended up buying a big building that sits opposite where we are right now and that was it was sort of on the coattails of the developments in the area that you mentioned albeit with a difference we bought a big derelict hotel on Lancaster Gate on the corner of Lancaster Gate and then to the terrace a stone throw from the park and from this sort of slightly uncared for high street and the realization quite soon after we bought the big building was that we can we can create we can build this fantastic building, apartment building, but if it doesn't have a, a high street to rely on and to sit on, then you know perhaps we're missing a trick. And this is all part of the you know the, the high street revival, which we you know we we witness and we you know has has sort of gathered momentum. It's not meant to be necessarily a commercial investment, but it is something you know it's a social investment. People rely on and need these places to you know to form part of their community. And you're so right, it doesn't matter if you have a nice, a beautiful building and then the high street is a bit kind of bad or not lively. Well, but first of all, I also read that this place here, uh, the inspiration for it was Italian cafes as well. So I wonder if you can tell us a bit more about that. I think the inspiration for many things is, is yeah. an Italian cafe, not, isn't right? it? And, <laughs> but it's very fun. It was. I think I was in Sicily last summer and in a town called Noto and there was this, there was this bar that I think it's quite famous. I can't remember the name now, but it it was it hadn't been touched for 50 years and and everything was so effortless but also purposeful. I sort of thought, you know, that well that's always the dream to emulate that, but what's very funny is that you can you can bring in a you can bring in a design aesthetic, but you can't necessarily import the culture and the Italians that come with it. So we have here a, a sort of a, a bar in the middle of the room and the idea was that this is a coffee bar. So in Italy, as everyone knows, you you know, you encourage to stand at the bar and have a one euro coffee. And at the moment you, you don't stand at the bar, you sit down or you, it suddenly gets more expensive and it becomes a, a bigger thing. But the idea is a one euro coffee, you stand there, you don't you don't mess around and you come in and out. In England or in London, it's 
foreign. I mean, you, you couldn't pay people to emulate that idea. They just, it's just, it's hard. So, so we have this bar and, you know, one, one or two of us stand there and drink a coffee, but everyone else just, just looks at you saying, what are you doing? Like, why don't you sit down? Or why don't you take it away in a, in a cup? So what we're trying to do here is we've got, yeah, we're trying to force people subtly through discounted rates at the bar and, and even, you know, nice ceramics and, and whatnot to stand there. But it's, I think that's going to be, it's going to be a harder, harder play in this, in this city than we thought. Well, but I think it's such a great combination. We have coffee, we have currency services, and of course, magazines, right? We're surrounded by that. And I saw Rabbit's Foot, love that magazine. I mean, so that's the idea as well, to also incorporate the newsstand element to it, right? Yes. So we did Shriji at the beginning, and this is not, this is a, a, new, a, a new idea and a new entity. Of course, there's no denying it that it plays on what we learned with Shriji and what I've done with our partner there, Sandeep, who is famous for that. I think what we did here was that this is a coffee shop with magazines as a backdrop. So I, I, I was careful to not, to not necessarily try and copy that very intense culture from Shriji, which is it's just about magazines. Let's be honest, it's magazines mm-hmm. and newspapers and, and the best the best edit, and then a bit of coffee on the side. Here we flipped it. It's coffee and it's pastries, and, and the idea is that we're going to be pushing more more of a food offering and eating service, a food and beverage service. But actually, what I learned was the power of magazines as as a backdrop. So, let's, you know, superficially, they look really good, mm-hmm. but they're also very nice to browse and to, yeah, and to show what we're interested in. So, I think it's there's magazines go, you know, they go through a hard time because they're not necessarily the most profitable investment, but I, I have and I would carry on investing in them as an idea because I think they're so unique. They are a huge luxury in an age where we, it's much easier just to look it up on your phone. I think it, it's interesting to see that magazines, when everyone wrote them off, when everyone thought that, you know, there was, it was the end of print, mm-hmm. they survived. Just look around, right? There's loft and there's interview. There's so many cool titles. Do you have a favorite? I mean, of course, maybe perhaps the design titles. I don't know, or maybe something completely different of what you do. Actually, I think I've got to be careful because you're right. I, I, I when I, I say they're luxury. When when I have time to read them, I I navigate towards the design ones. But that's also, in a way, it's I shouldn't because it, I, it means I don't switch off, and it's in a way it's worked for me. So I should be reading the ones that are slightly more foreign. I like, I, I like the spectators, I like the economists, I love Private Eye, and then visually I like things like Kinfolk, I like Casa. Um, but as I said, it's a way that we project what we like and, and it all, it does come from the origin of Shriji. You know, this was just, this is just a small edit from Shriji, but keeping the focus on magazines still at Shriji and here we, we play more on the coffee. What's your coffee coffee choice, by the way? We have here the, the very cute selection there. Just out of curiosity. I have a cappuccino every morning and then I have maybe an espresso after lunch. But we, we have a... I guess he deserves a shout-out. We have someone called 15 Grams who makes all our coffee 
and he was someone who walked in on on day one that Sandeep actually met at the at the train station in Dulwich and and he was working at a coffee shop at the time and we we asked him to you know to to help um, to come up with a brand for us and we've used it since day one everyone loves it everyone seems to love it nobody complains and we haven't looked elsewhere so he's he's our go-to that's our that's our secret Thank you very much, Gabriel. And if you want to pay a visit to Dan, do check out their Instagram on Foreign Exchange News. And finally on the show, we head to Palm Beach. More recently, I've been scrolling online to a great social media account called Class of Palm Beach, an addictive look at what people from Palm Beach are wearing. It's a great take on hyperlocal fashion. I spoke with the account creator, Devra Izagui, who says that the next step could be a book. I love your outfit. Thank you very much. Can you tell us what you're wearing? Lily. Lily Pulitzer. Yeah, Lily. Beautiful. Shoes. I forget who these are. I think these are Oscar earrings. Oscar de la Rente. Yeah. Beautiful. How about that headband? That's me. <laughs> the headband. You made the headband. Yeah. What's, the, what's your brand name? No, I don't make it. I just get a scarf and wrap it. Oh, wow. You did that so beautifully. I love it with the outfit. I grew up in Palm Beach. I lived in New York for the past seven and a half years. And then about 11 months ago, I think it's a, I think it's about a year now, I moved back to Palm Beach. And, you know, I was walking one day down the street after leaving a client and I just started talking to someone, an older lady. She was probably about like 95 years old. And I got into a conversation with her. And I asked her, I was like, first I told her, I was like, I love your outfit, you know? That sentence, I love your outfit, is really just an extension of my personality. <laughs> At this point, I almost, I feel like I sound like, you know, a tape recorder, but it's really, you know, I'm really uh, authentically myself when I say that, because I really mean it. So I, I told her, I love your outfit and everything. And then I got into a conversation with her. I was like, where are you going? Whatever. And she was like, oh, I'm just going out to lunch with my girlfriend. She was totally dressed up to go to the nines, you know, in all her jewelry and her her dress and everything. I just got a wave of inspiration. And I was like, that's incredible. That's inspiring. Life doesn't stop just because you're in your mid-90s. You know, you still get dressed up in the morning, go out to lunch with your girls, have a good time, you know? So I just took out my camera. I really just made an account in the span of like those 20 seconds. And honestly, the first video went viral. So it was crazy. And you mentioned this lady you're talking, you know, she's a bit older. And I know it's not just older people in your account, but there is something fascinating about it. As a younger person, for example, it's kind of inspiration in a way. Do you think there is a specific interest about how perhaps older people are dressing these days? Yes. Well, I think that ties into the title of my page, Class of Palm Beach. I think, you know, older people, they don't go by trends. They don't go by what's coming out next of fast fashion and everything. Their closets are very timeless. You know, most of the older people that I ask what they're wearing, you know, they'll be like, oh, I purchased this about 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So I think that's what real class and timelessness is. You know, you can buy something, whether it's pricey, you can wear it for the next like 50 years, you know? So that I think that ties into the title of the entire platform, Class of Palm Beach. When you stop then in the streets, I think I read somewhere that, you know, most of the time people, they're absolutely fine with it. But 
Do you have a lot of rejections or perhaps your account is getting more well-known so they already know when you're actually saying, I love your outfit? I think it, it's the same since the beginning, you know? Well, it's the same, but also it's different. It's, it, and right now, there's a lot of people that, I guess, try to find me, try to, you know, come onto the platform, uh, get so many messages a day. I would say a good hundred messages, wow. um, you know, every two weeks saying, come find me here. I'm coming to town. I see people on TikTok, on Instagram, tagging the account, saying, I wish I bumped into class upon me today. So that's interesting and fun in that way. But when I go up to people, I think, you know, it's the same as it was in the beginning. Some people don't want, some people really want to, some people, you know, it takes them a bit, a second or two to get them to do it, you know, but you know, you respect everybody. It's supposed to be an inspirational and fun platform. So if somebody doesn't want, then, you know, that's up to them. But I think it's the same since the beginning in that way. I like the mysterious ones. There one, I forgot her name, but she was in a supermarket, a very elegant, slightly older lady. I mean, and you were asking questions and she was like, well, I don't know. You know, she was being quite mysterious about what she was wearing. And then, you know, and then she ran away. But you still managed to actually talk to her. I don't know if you remember which one was that. I do, I do. I, there was a couple in the supermarket. Yes, her name is Nancy. She caught my eye because she was, you know, in public, dressed elegantly like You know, most people would think to go to Publix or go anywhere, you know, just throw on your sweats. But no, you go to Publix looking your best, feeling your best. She caught my eye. And Deborah, I have a question for you. I know your account is doing very well. You know, I, I love looking at it. Do you ever think that perhaps this could be a book or, or something in print or I don't know. Have you ever thought about that? I definitely did. I'm a creative person myself. That's really my my thing, you know, painting, sketching and everything and thinking about creative ideas all the time. So it's definitely something that we've been working on, actually. Well, I would love to know as soon as we have more information, you must tell me. Definitely. That's fantastic. And what, how would you define your own style? Because you mentioned you're a stylist. Is it perhaps similar of some of the subjects you have some of or, 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 or is something completely different? So I don't have too much of the I would say, typical Palm Beach style myself. I lived in New York for almost a year, so New York definitely played a big role into my fashion sense. So I would say, you know, Palm Beach is more about, you know, Zimmerman, Lily Pulitzer, and flowers and colors and everything. I would say my style, it's more neutrals and that kind of vibe. We mix it in a little bit because I am in Palm Beach after all for most of the time. Well, and one question, you know, I think the success of your account as well, because I think you're a good editor because you're saying, oh, hundreds of people, they message me. Oh, I'm going to be there. But then I was just wondering, because you have to curate the people you select, right? Definitely. You know, I am very specific with who goes on the platform because I'd like this to be a highlight of Palm Beach. So I'm very specific, what can I say? So I'm sure in the DMs, there are millions of women and men that actually fit perfectly and align very well with the channel um, and have incredible fashion sense and taste and everything. But I think I would need a whole nother assistant to go through the DMs. That was Deborah Ezagui from Class of Palm Beach, easily found in most social media networks. 
And that's it for this week. My thanks to our editor, Jack Jewers. If you have any comments or queries, feel free to write to me, Fernando, at fpandmonaco.com. And remember, we're back next Saturday at 10 a.m. London time. Meanwhile, you can always listen again at monaco.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You've been listening to The Stack. I'm Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Until next time, it's goodbye from me. Thank you.